Good morning, everyone. You know, guys, uh, when we talk about the, when we talk, when we saw the video that we just we, that we just watched, and then some of the other things that's taking place, it is so exciting to be part of, of a family, a community of faith that that um, where you're allowing God to open your hearts and allow you to see things, see the needs uh, that that is out there, and this is a huge need. Uh, that is uh, that is right in our backyard. Sometimes you, 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 I don't know. Sometimes it's like we live a sheltered life. It's like it's amazing some of the needs that take place right uh, here in our community. Uh, and so I pray that you would uh, get behind that and get excited. Please don't take it as something that we do, but it's who we are. We're here to to help uh, reach and meet the needs uh, as God uh, enlightens our hearts and shows us those needs, so that we can be the hands and uh, feet of Christ. Uh, also, in addition to that, I got I got another one that I want to share with you uh, that we're real excited. I don't think anybody would argue in here to argue the point that. Uh, uh, we don't live in a shattered world. I mean, we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is fallen spiritually. But then, in, in, in addition to even that, we just sense, we, we have a lot of people that that are living in this sense of shattered hope. Uh, some of these people live in shattered hope. I mean, things that they place their hope in have just been have been devastated, destroyed, shattered. And so, around us, we live in a world that is just broken all across the board and and literally shattered and and as i've been spending time thinking about where we want to go with the easter service um god's spirit's been leading me to uh first peter uh chapter one and that and i'm just sharing something with you this isn't part of our uh talk today but in first peter chapter one peter's talking to the church that's been dispersed uh jesus has been crucified he's uh uh, had, has risen from the dead, and but yet the church has, has been dispersed. They're no longer in Jerusalem. And he's writing to these believers, and he's saying this. He's saying, you guys are going to experience some hardships coming up. And I don't think he was just talking about hardships such as our gas prices are going to be going to 360 or 380 or whatever that is. But he's talking about things that's going to literally put their life on the line. You're, going, you're following Christ and by following Jesus Christ, by saying that you are a Christian, saying that you're a believer, saying that you're going to live out the values and, and the way that Jesus has taught us, by doing that, you're putting your livelihood on the line and you're going to experience some major persecution. You're going to experience some hardships. And as he writes to them, he, he, he says this, which really caught my attention. And this is where I want to go with Easter called Shattered Hope. But he talks about, living, about focusing and living in this living hope. This expectant hope, as one translation says. This living hope. And it's not just hope that says, well, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow because I really want to golf. Or I hope, you know, that, that uh, uh, whatever it may be, some other things, you know, I hope this doesn't happen or I hope that this does happen. But he's saying this. This is the hope that comes from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This living, expectant hope. And as we live in that hope, later on that chapter, he says there's this inexpressible joy. This inexpressible joy that, that's inside of us. And as I read that chapter, I thought, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I have Christ living inside of me, His Spirit. I try to live in a surrendered state, but sometimes I don't live in this sense of inexpressible joy. And I start to look, and a lot of times I'm focused on Gail. And so this, this Easter, I want to talk about that, because a lot of times we, we, we focus on hope that's not the hope that produces this inexpressible joy. Are we people that, that, that are filled with this inexpressible joy, this glorious joy? And so I want to really focus on that. 
But as we focus at Easter, as we focus on this shattered hope, this, this, you know, this concept of, of people where their hope has been dashed, man, just crushed. How does the church respond to that? One way we respond is by you know, the, this, this uh, uh, homeless opportunity that we have through Bob and Carol. Uh, that's going to be helping lead that. But another one that the staff and the staff's really been praying about, and we really believe God is leading us in this direction, is that on Easter Sunday, what we want to do is we want to take all of our offerings, every single penny that's given to us on Easter Sunday, take it and give it away to provide hope to someone or something or some person or some organization that's going to give hope to somebody. And so we really want to take. We really want you to be involved in this. Uh, and when I say that, what I what, what how you play a role is this: we're we're all in this together, not just by giving, but we're all in this together. I want us to begin to pray about that. We don't know where that's going to go. We don't know where it's going to go. We don't know who needs this this sense of hope. We don't know who needs uh, uh, who needs what what God's going to provide to them. But the one thing I do know is that God will reveal that to us. And we're asking you, everybody, to be on board with that, to begin to pray about that. What does that look like? Who does that go to? What, what, how is God going to reveal that to us? Now, when I say pray, guys, and I'm not minimizing and I'm not trying to be funny or humorous, but we don't need good ideas. We need prayer. We need you to spend time in prayer. Because what's exciting to me is we don't know where it's going to go. But the one thing I do know is that God's a huge God and that He orchestrates a lot of things down to one specific little laser point. And I'm excited to hear how God's going and see how God's going to move through each and every one of us. So as you begin to pray over these next few weeks um, and, and about this whole concept of shattered hope, uh, we want you to go to our website, elementchurch.com, which has been newly, reconst- newly constructed or reconstructed whatever you want to call it, it's still actually a little bit under construction, but as you go there, we're going to have a link on a graphic that says Shattered Hope, and it'll be up this week. Uh, it'll say Shattered Hope, and it'll say something like hope at elementchurch.com. As you pray, go to our website, click on that link, and just simply type it, you know, as God reveals some things to you, type it in and, and send us an email and say, I believe God is, you know, or this is something God is laying upon my heart. And we're going to take those and look at those. And then the week after Easter, we're going to kind of celebrate what, what has taken place and how much money that we took and, and where it went to and how it's providing hope in somebody's life in this shattered, in a world of shattered hope. So get excited about it. Please uh, take it serious. Please really uh, commit to it in prayer and even fasting and just to see where God is going to lead us. I am so super excited about this and I hope I hope you guys uh, get excited about it too and begin to pray and really, um, again, just interact with us through our website. Um, as we continue on in this series uh, here for the next few moments uh, called As For Me, we've been talking about building our lives upon values, which God says these are the values. If you're a follower of me, if you're, if you're a, um, someone who is, is, is taking on my name, these are the values. This is the foundation I want you to build upon. And today I want to share with you uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, which uh, basically, essentially says you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Some translations may say thou shalt not lie. Uh, it's, it, we're talking about truth. We're t- talking about telling the truth, not lying. And, and there's been a survey, a recent survey, that says 66% of Americans say that it's not wrong to tell lies. 66% of Americans say, you know, it's not really that wrong to tell lies. 31% agreed with a statement that said honesty is the best policy. Only 31%. 
66% says there's nothing wrong with it. 31% says that uh, only 31% agree with the statement that honesty is the best policy. What do we believe? Do we believe, you know, that it's okay to fudge the truth sometimes? Do we believe that it's okay to be truthful, you know, 80-20 or whatever the percentage we have? Or do we take that value very seriously to say, you know what? God sees all of it. If it's a half-truth, if it's not all the truth, it's, it's a lie. It's not truth. And God says, I want you to speak in truth. I don't want you to bear false witness. I don't want you to lie. I want you to, to tell the truth. And so God says lying in, in, in an attention is misleading and all of it's wrong. So the question I want to share with, uh, ask right now is why do we lie? And maybe once we understand some of the reasons why we kind of are tempted to lie, maybe then we can take a critical look at, uh, at being able to overcome that. I'm going to list about five lies that, that's easy for us to fall prey to. Uh, these are just a few, but um, some of you may be sitting here this morning and say, wow, I resonate with that one. Or, you know what, that's my weak point. That's my button right there. And so uh, just uh, I want us to take a look at it, and then maybe once we understand the temptation of it, then we can uh, take a critical look at why we do it and how to overcome that. The first lie I want to share with you is this. It's called the cruel lie. And the cruel lie essentially is this. It's something that's intentionally destructive and malicious. It's destructive and malicious. You tell it to get revenge. Somebody has hurt you. The motivation behind it is jealousy, revenge, anger, hurt, resentment. You name it. Somebody has hurt you. And because they hurt you, you're out to, to get them. And you, and you may start by trying to rip apart their name. You, you have a conversation with somebody. You may share something that is not true, but your intent behind it is because they hurt me, they made me very angry, and I'm going to get back, back at them, and I'm going, to do a, I'm going to start a malicious, cruel lie about them. Politicians use this all the time, and it's called slander. It's, it's, it's dragging up something against somebody that may not be true, but, but it's there to hurt and discredit their name. And, and, and we see this, you know, it may be something... Uh, uh, I mean, we see this uh, even in, in the life of Jesus where the Sadducees didn't have anything against him, but they trumped up charges so that they could bring him and hang him on a cross. Again, the cruel lie is intentional and it's mischievous and it's there to bring destruction and maliciousness against somebody. And so this may be one that we fall into is the, is the cruel lie. The second one is a cowardly lie. A cowardly lie is when uh, we tell this, we tell the half truth, or we don't tell the whole truth to escape consequences. We're facing something, we're being called on something, and instead of just instead of just confessing up and saying, "Okay, this is what this is the real deal here," instead of doing that, we want to avoid punishment, we want to avoid the negativity of all of it, and instead of just being forthright and truthful, we become a coward with it. And we may say stuff like the classic one, you know, when you're in school, my dog ate your homework. You know, I don't even know if they still use that one but but when we read back in genesis we read it right off the bat where adam is confronted what does he say well it was her fault she gave me the fruit right it's the dishing off i don't well it's not my fault it's their fault you know and we that whole dishing off that cowardly lie what's the reason what's the intention behind the cowardly lie or what the motivation fear fear and the bible says that fear is the is the uh the fear of man is a trap and it's kind of like this. It's like when, when someone asks you to do something and, it's, and we say this. We may, you, know, and we don't, we, you know, there's something there that we don't want to do. And someone asks us to do something, we say, well, I can't really do that because of this, 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 and this. Kind of, kind of half-truth it a little bit. Instead of just saying, you know what, I don't want to do it. Just looking at the per- I don't want to do it. We don't say, I don't want to do it because why? Because sometimes we're afraid that that person might think 
something different about us. They might, we might lose their respect. We might lose their approval. Instead of just saying, you know what? I don't want to do that. We'll like fudge around with it. So, so, the, so the cowardly lie is based upon fear. The second one, is, or the next one, the third one is the conceited lie. Now, the conceited lie is when you lie to impress. Okay, the conceited lie, and I know, but by the way, I know that when I, as I'm talking about these lies, that none of these really affect us because we are none of us deal with this stuff, right? It's the people out there that deal with it. But I, I just want to give you a heads up. So anyhow, the conceited lie is when you want to impress somebody. You have this facade, you have a low self-esteem, and you have to brag about yourself. And you have to lie to make yourself feel better and to look better in the eyes of somebody else. And the motivation behind this is simply insecurity. When it comes down to it, when, when the pride and ego are stripped away, when those layers are begin to pull away, what we see, a person who deals with conceited, uh, conceited lies to build themselves up is a frightened, individual, a frightened, insecure individual. And so we fall in this, 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 um, this trap of, of building ourselves up just to impress other individuals. Another one is the calculated lie. Now, the calculated lie is a lie to manipulate other people. We want our way, and we're going to get our way. And if we have to do a calculated lie to get what we want, that's what we're going to do because we want what we want. And it could be motivated by greed or selfishness. It says, this is what I want, therefore I will do whatever it takes to get it. If I have to lie to you, I will lie to you. If I have to manipulate the truth, I will do that. If I have to falsify something, I will do that because I am going to get what I want. And again, you can see how that it's motivated by greed and selfishness. And then the last one, the fifth one is this. It's called the, the good old convenient lie. And the convenient lie is the one that uh, we do because it's going to take more energy to tell the truth. It's going to take more energy for me to sit down and to have a discussion with you and to give you the background about this, that, or the other than it is for me to just give you some simplistic, quick little half-truth answer to get you on your way and we're done, right? And so the motivation behind this is simply laziness. I don't want to take the time. Um, you know, it, 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 so, so it enables me to just kind of skate out from underneath of it. It's like when you go to somebody's house and uh, the time is dragging on and on and on and on and you say this, you know what, I'm sorry, but I really got to get home because my babysitter has a curfew. When what you really need to say is, you're boring the tears out of me and I need to leave. Right? It's called the convenient lie. Some of you are thinking, I wonder if someone's conveniently lied to me. But, you know, here's the point though, guys. The point is this, Jesus said that it's what's in your heart that's going to come out of your mouth. So when we begin to really take a critical look at that, and we realize, you know, let's say we struggle with some of these lies, it's, it's more of a heart issue than anything. So the issue, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. For instance, if your heart is filled full of resentment, you're going to struggle with, with the cruel lie. If your heart's full of fear and worrying about the approval of man, you're going to struggle with cowardly lies. If your heart is full of insecurity about yourself, you're going to fall prey to conceited lies. If your heart is full of selfishness, you're going to end up struggling with calculated lies so that you get what you want. And if, you're, if your heart's full of laziness, you're going to find yourself telling convenient lies so that you can, um, so that you, because it comes out from the heart. So what's the solution? Obviously, it's a heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue where we've got to allow ourselves to open up our hearts. That's why a lot of times when I pray at the end or when I'm trying to wrap up a talk is is I'm I'm trying to challenge you guys to say, look, guys, 
There's a point to where we can stand here and talk all day, but until you open up your heart to the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the only time change is going to take place. And so if we're struggling with telling the truth, if we're struggling with these values becoming actual values versus aspirational values, this is where you really need to take a critical look at your heart to say, is it closed off? Or do I allow God to really come in and challenge me and talk to me and, and pull, pull me out of my comfort zone? So, a couple of ways to look at this. A couple of ways, uh, practical things that we can take a look at about, about this whole issue of lying. Number one, tell the truth completely. Tell the truth completely. Proverbs, Solomon says in Proverbs 10.10, 10, and this is from the Good News Translation. It's worded this way. Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. Someone who holds back the truth causes trouble. He's talking about concealing. And, and you and I have both been in that situation where, you know, if we give the whole truth, it's going, to, it's going to trigger, it's going to domino effect, it's going to have different implications. And so the issue is this, if we're going to ever live in a, in a sense where we're, where, we're, uh, where we're not lying and we're, and we're trying to break this habit or trying to deal with this, this concept of half-truth, we have got to be very careful and never hold back truth and speak the truth completely. And the trouble that it can cause when we hold back is resentment, mistrust, superficiality. When we get into trouble by not say, and you get into trouble by not saying what you mean and not meaning what you say, we begin. We have to face our issues honestly. Uh, and when we do, sometimes things begin to to come out. And so we have to speak the truth completely. Proverbs again, uh, Solomon says this in twenty eight twenty three. In the end, people appreciate frankness more than flattery, and um, that's you know that's something that we that we have to really embrace and understand that the frankness is it, it is appreciated. Now you and I both know that when someone comes in our life and begins to speak, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But when they when they come in our lives and speak very frank, at first it can be very it, it, it can be uncomfortable. But in the but but in the end, if we if there's that trust that that's there, we, we begin to see that that person has our best interest at heart, and it becomes something uh, that frankness becomes something that's very appreciated. Where we say, you know what, I, this is this is part of God's way of helping me to see the things within my life so that I can grow. Tell the truth completely. The next one is this: T- not only tell it completely, but tell it consistently. That means then eighty percent of the time. Telling the truth 80% of the time is not good enough. Telling it 90%, 95% of the time is not good enough. It's consistently. All, anything else is, is a lack of integrity. And so the Bible says this, Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. Solomon writes in Proverbs 11.3, People who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. And so we've got to understand that lying and half-truths sabotages success, it destroys relationships, it damages character, and God says, don't do it. Build your life on truth. Build your life on speaking the truth 100% of the time. Proverbs again, reliable communication permits progress. The next one is this, tell the truth lovingly. Tell the truth lovingly. Paul writes to the church in Ephesians, and he says this, speak the truth in a spirit of love. Don't use the truth as a club. Don't beat people over the head with the truth. Think of somebody you would like to help change and ask yourself a couple questions. Or I should say, remember two things. Number one, remember that people change easier and they change faster when you speak 
this, when you speak the truth in the spirit of love. Guys, this is why I think it is absolutely critical that you have someone in your life that can look at you square in the eyes and say, man, I love you, and, but this is what I see. I love you, but here's something that I, that, that, that I see within your life that, that I would like to be there to work on with you. And you speak it consistently, you speak it clearly, you speak it lovingly, and you share the truth with that particular individual. And when we speak, when we, when we speak that truth in love, in a spirit of love, people are able to embrace that because that's when we say, you know what, this person loves me. This person, my best interest is at their heart, and they love me, and we... And Hopefully what happens is we, we open ourselves up for that change and that, that, in, in that, res- that uh, relationship is absolutely critical. The second thing is this. People always perceive truth without love as an attack. It's so easy when someone can, they, man, they can be saying the truth, but uh, coming at us, it just feels like an attack at times. So ask yourself the question, who am I trying to benefit from this? If you're going to be speaking the truth in love, uh, who, ask the, yourself a couple questions. Number one, is it, easier for me, is, is it going to be easier for me if that person changes? Is this more of my benefit? Who am I trying to, be, you know, what am I trying to benefit or who's going to benefit from this? And secondly, do I, re, do I really care about them and want them to be the best that they can be? Do I really have this person's best interest at heart? Or is this just something that, that I feel like I just need to, 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 to uh, lay into them about? So tell the truth lovingly. The last one is this. Tell the truth tactfully. Tell the truth tactfully. Whenever you have to share a tough uh, truth, a solution is never deception. It's tact, not deception. Consider this. Who are, you know, who, being honest with that person. The truth always sets us free. And again, as Paul says, thoughtless words, we're either going to hurt people or we're going to heal people. And thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. Proverbs says, intelligent people think before, they're spe- before they speak. Guys, our words have tremendous power. Um, some time ago, we did, a, uh, we did a series called Zip It, and we talked about some of the different things that just crushes people's spirits. And, and we have to understand that our words can actually can, can be so devastating towards other people if we're not careful, if we're not, if we're not speaking the truth in love, if we're not speaking it tactfully, if we're not lovingly in the whole process, you know, in examining our motives. We have to be very careful because they can either tear people down, they can either hurt people, or they can heal people. So that's where we have to really question ourselves. And so as we, as we take a look at this whole concept, we need to understand that, that to be able to tell the truth and not lie, we need to really examine our own hearts and our own motivations. Proverbs 16.23, as I said before, says intelligent people think before they speak. As I close... I want to share with you once again what Jesus says the real problem is. And it's found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's going to come out. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus is saying the real problem is not my mouth, but my heart. You know, as I said before, as we have been spending time in this series called As For Me, or As, as For Me, you know, I, I pray, again, I pray that you will take this very seriously and you will say, you know what, am I truly building my life on the values in which God says to build my life on? And not just saying that that's what I'm doing, but I'm actually, the, the, they are actual values within my life that I'm striving for. Not just aspirational, but they're actual values in which I am striving for. So if it's going to be uncomfortable for me at times, regardless of what it is, I am going to live my life in such a state where I'm 
desperately trying to build it on these values. And at some point you can stand and say, as for me and my house, I am building my life, my house, upon the values in which God says for me to build my life upon. Again, I hope and pray that you allow the Spirit to have freedom in your life. I hope and pray that you allow the Spirit to just... You know, I don't know how else to say it, but to have that freedom. Heart change is only going to happen by you. By you opening your, your heart up to God and saying, God, my life is yours. And if we can remember again, like what we talked about last week, when David asked that question, who can approach you, God? Who can approach Mount Zion? Who can approach that holy hill? Who can have this sweet fellowship, this intimate encounter with you? And God says, it's going to be the people with integrity. It's going to be the people with contrite Humble hearts. What does that mean? Hearts that are broken. Hearts that are surrendered to, the, to His will and what He wants to do. So I pray that you, that, that we as a church, Element is, is, is a bunch of people. I mean, you talk about hearts. We have incredible generous hearts. When it comes to meeting needs, we, we, we're incredible. But I pray that it doesn't stop there. And also, is, 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 it's, it's lived in a sense of contriteness that says, Man, I'm broken. And God is, is, is the only, you know, God's the one that I want to live my life for and keeping ourselves surrendered to Him. Again, I just pray that this whole series is challenging to you and that you are uh, really resonating, connecting with it. I also pray before I, uh, I want to ask Pastor Joe to come, uh, but also ask that you would just real, continue to remember uh, to pray about uh, Easter Sunday and um, how we're going to provide hope to someone in this shattered world.